Truth Revolution. Welcome to Truth Revolution. This is where faith and reason meet. I am Pastor Dave. That's Pastor Jeff. And we are going to ruin your holidays. I love ruining Christmas for people. No, you don't. I like enlightening people. Right. And it just so happens that enlightening people will also ruin their Christmas. What I'm about to tell you made one person so mad that they refuse to go to my church anymore. Right. But here's the thing. Um, if you take what is said in, in conversations like this, <laughs> you stop it. When you, do, when you take things in conversations like this and you take them for what they are and don't take offense to them, is it, is it right? Is it wrong? Does, does what Jeff say make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, like most of the time when he's talking, then you can, oh. you can either take it or leave it. But I advise you to listen and take it into consideration because... He has a brain. I'm bringing it's, the brain of truth into this. It's actually outside his head, but he has a brain. This is normally when I talk about foster care and parenting, and we're talking about the prefrontal cortex versus the limbic system mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Today, I just want to point at a brain when I talk about stuff that people don't believe. We're going to talk about Christmas myths. Um, all right, we're going to talk about Christmas myths, things that you think are true that aren't true during Christmas and the birth of Jesus and all that. It's actually one of my favorite things to talk about. Because so much is wrong. My kids actually were asking right. me a little bit about Christmas the other day, and I told them one of these things, and their minds were blowing. Right. It's, it's actually, to me, more interesting than anything else, yeah. you know, uh, to, to look at something that we've celebrated for, I mean, for my entirety of my life, like the first, what, 20 years of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I'm 21, and I can yeah. actually, you know, learn the way things really are. Yeah. And you look really good for 21. Thanks. Uh, I, so, okay, we're going to get into this different Christmas myths. Myth number one, we are taught that Mary and Joseph arrived at an inn, but it was actually so full they had to stay in a, uh, a stable. <laughs> in a stable. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. That's not a myth. That is a myth. No, you said the myth one is that we are taught that Mary and Joseph arrived in an inn. We actually are taught that Mary and Joseph are are, and so the fact that we're taught that is not a myth. Um, now, the, now what we are taught is actually a myth. I just don't want anybody to get confused. Like I just, never <laughs> I think you're confused and yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and present this myth. Thanks. All right. So the myth is that Joseph and Mary went to an inn. There wasn't room in the inn. So they had to go stay in the stable. Right. Probably not true. Right. <laughs> Probably not true. The word translated in does not mean hotel. This is written in what language? Uh, Greek. I'm giving David Bible quizzes mm-hmm. today. Uh, this Greek word, uh, kataluma, it's actually used in Luke 22, 11, and it's Mark 14, 14, when it's talking about the upper room right. when Jesus went and had dinner with his disciples. It wasn't a hotel. It was an upper room in someone's house. Let's read Luke 22, 11. It says, and to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Did Jesus say, where is the hotel that I may stay with my disciples? No. No, he's, he wants to go eat a dinner. Where's the guest room? Right. Joseph and Mary were looking for a... Cataluma. Guest room. Mm-hmm. That's right. Think about it. Why were they going to Bethlehem? Because of the census. It required everyone to go to their... 
hometown, right? Their hometown. And so they're going to their hometown where their family live. They probably had relatives there and their relatives probably had a guest room and they went to a place and they tried to stay in the guest room, but Aunt Janine was already there. So Aunt Janine got the guest room because she's old and she got there first and she claimed it and she's a little ornery and she doesn't care that Mary is all pregnant and about to give birth because she doesn't even like that Mary married into the family and all that. Right. (laughs) Right, there's a whole lot of family drama Obviously, going on here. Yeah, if, if it's a normal family, right? All right, listen to this now. This is Luke 10, 34. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. An inn? This is, is the story of the, the upper room? No, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh-huh. And this word inn is the Greek word for hotel, for an inn. Okay. Okay, this is not the Greek word that was used in the Christmas story. Right. Mary and Joseph did not go to a hotel. They went to a Cataluma. They went to look for a guest room. Plus, interesting fact, inns, the hotels back in the time, were only on the, the, uh, the main roads, like Jerusalem to Jericho, but they were not probably near Bethlehem. Right. There's Too no, small. Yeah, they don't have any evidence there were hotels in Bethlehem. Uh, furthermore, normally hotels would have only been used by Romans and foreigners. Inns were not used by Jews because they, uh, for one reason, a lot of these people would have had uh, little money, like Joseph and Mary, and they would have money for an inn. But also, Jews would not have stayed at an inn if, if family was nearby. Right. Hospitality was oh. a moral value. Right. That would have been, that would have been like really offensive. It's like, well, I'm going to be in town this weekend, but I'm getting a hotel room. Mm. And that would have been like, uh, no, you're not. (laughs) Now see, when I go to a hotel or when I go to visit relatives, I like to stay in a hotel because quite honestly, at the end of the day, I I love you. I'm going to go be by myself for a minute. Maybe take my kids swimming. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be around you all the time. But back then that was offensive. Right. They didn't do that. And so this Christmas myth is debunked. Joseph and Mary did not try to stay at an inn. Uh, It was more likely a relative's guest room. There you go. Boom. All right, Dave. Myth number two. Myth number two. All right. So this myth, Jesus was born on December 25th. It's a myth. People always say Jesus was born on December 25th. Right. Not true. Not true. This is the one that blew my kids' minds the other day. They were, they were talking about Christmas and they're like, so, you know, that's when Jesus was born. And I was like, well, that's when we celebrate Jesus' birth. And they're like, what, what, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that's the day we celebrate. That's not the day he was born. And they want to know all about it. And it just blew their minds. So here's why we know that Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. All right. Luke 2, 8 says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. How does that debunk that? Well, because shepherds only let their flocks graze at night during the warm seasons. Mm. And so during the cold season, they grazed and were out during the day. But at night they would come in because it's stinking cold out. Christ was probably born in a warm season like summer, not a cold one like winter. In fact, uh, the early Christians, and you'll see this all around uh, during the month of December, people saying, December 25th is a pagan holiday. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of true. The early Christians chose December 25th because that was the the supposed birth of a false god during the pagan festival of Rome, the feast of the goddess Brutus. So people often say, Christmas isn't even about Jesus. How can somebody worship a goddess named Brutus? That that just sounds like she's mean and like a dude. I'm I'm just in the interest of not getting hate mail. Okay. I'm going to move on from that. Mm -hmm. Probably a good idea. (laughs) 
So Christians actually chose to go on December 25th because that was the supposed birthday of Brutus. Uh, But we have to do this or they chose to do this because it was a rival celebration, not because they were like, Oh, well this is when we celebrate our gods. Let's do this. No. And it's not like we accidentally put Christ's birthday on a pagan holiday. It's not like this is a pagan holiday and it got big. And, and then we said, well, well let's make it nice. No, this, this was a pagan holiday and Christians chose to rival it. They said, you're going to worship your goddess on that day. Guess what? We're going to celebrate the birth of our savior on that day. Right. So they, they were, they were making right. this rival tree because they weren't going to go rivalry because they weren't going to go with idolatry. Right. And my question is, if you've heard of Brutus, the goddess, raise your hand. We won. Crickets, crickets. Oh, Sam, the video guy heard of him. <laughs> That's only because he listened to this show last right, year. Yeah. And the year before. Yeah. And the year before. We won. Yeah. I mean, no one celebrates Brutus. Uh, how many people celebrate the birth of Christ? Practically the entire world. Right. So we won. Yeah. I mean, this is good. All right. Myth number three. Ah, Joseph and Mary arrived to Bethlehem late at night. <sighs> the Bible doesn't actually, uh, the Bible doesn't actually say when they arrived. Right. I, are you impressed that I can yawn, yawn on command? <laughs> I just think it's funny that, uh, that you're just like, let's, let's talk about something a little more, uh, I guess, uh, harder for you. <laughs> this is like, uh. no, this is just interesting. Yeah. Uh, so they, they arrived at Bethlehem late at night. This is the picture people always have. That's, you know, we kind of create this narrative because we think they tried to stay at a guest room in a hotel and there wasn't, so they go to the right. stable. Mm-hmm. So we create this narrative that it was late at night, but they probably didn't travel late at night. Right. We drive and we drive through cities with lights right. and countryside that is safe. They walked, they walked 10 to 15 miles a day and they knew how long they could travel and traveling at night was dangerous back then. They were right. bandits. Yeah. With only the light of the moon and the stars, um, you don't know what's on the road ahead of you. That's right. But I mean, somebody laying in wait, they know you're coming. <sighs> so they would not, they would not have gone until they were yawning. Right. right. They would have stopped probably middle of the afternoon, late afternoon when they got to a good spot. This is a safe area. Hey, this is a little town. This is a good place to camp. And they would have stopped there. They could only go 10 to 15 miles every day. And Mary was pregnant, so. Right, you're not going to make a pregnant woman uh, travel that far overnight. You know, you got to give her some kind of a rest, right? Exactly. All right, myth number four. The innkeeper had no alternative but to put Mary and Joseph in a stable at night. Yeah. Hey, now I'm yawning on accident. I you did it to yourself, start, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So get the, get this. There were no stables then. Right. It was very unstable place. It was. V- <laughs> but a chimney. Okay. So uh, the sheep were in protected stone walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, other animals were brought into the house at night, but it, there was not a stable that they were brought in. This is probably a family home. Right. Now, some people, when they heard this show, they have asked me, "What do you mean there were no stables?" Because I go back to the Old Testament and Solomon had stables, mm-hmm. uh, but not not in, not in the way that we portray this. All right, so there weren't like hotels and then a big stable for all the animals. Uh, that's not how it was. Uh, most of of the family actually they would bring their animals in 
outside at night into their homes. So Solomon had a stable, but he also had like 700 horses, (laughs) right? Right. So you're not going to bring those in your house, Yeah. Uh, but they would bring most of their animals in their house and let them stay in the main family room. And this is, well, uh, this is where Jesus was probably born. Right. He was probably born in this area. See, we get the idea. Am I closing in on another myth or, or is this, this, I just want to make sure I wasn't. Okay. So, Jesus, Jesus was actually born in this middle of this house in what we would normally call like a family room, mm-hmm. a family room. And we think it was a stable. The reason we came up with the idea of a stable is because it says they laid Jesus in a manger, right? which is what the animals ate out of. But they didn't have mangers in these stables, especially if it was a family home. They didn't own some stable, most likely. It, it brought the animals, the sheep, whatever, inside. They put a manger in the main family room. And when Jesus was born in that family room. He wasn't in the guest room because his aunt Janine was there. Right. He was in this family room and where else are they going to put him? So they put him in the manger right, right there. I mean, full of hay. It was nice and soft right go. in the family room where they were staying. All right. There we go. Myth number five. Mary gave birth to Jesus the night they arrived. Luke says, quote, while they were there, the days were completed. Mm-hmm. Meaning... So they arrived at the place to have the birth. And then, you know, after some time, the days were completed. Like the story came to its conclusion. Jesus was born. Jesus probably didn't travel or uh, Joseph probably didn't travel on the day Jesus was born. Right. Well, I mean, especially when a woman gets that with child, that pregnant, um, that would be just like totally uncomfortable Mm. for her. And I, I think that goes along with the same one that we were talking about uh, making Mary travel at night as well. So yeah. All right. Myth number six. Uh, We just covered that in myth number four. Mary was alone in the stable and Jesus was born. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Mary probably wasn't alone. And the reason we know she wasn't alone, it wasn't just her and Joseph is because they were in a family room. Right. With with a a family home. Right. With Aunt Janine in the guest room and the people who own the house in their room. Right. Like the whole, the whole family was there. Jesus was probably born and like people were there. You know, I'm going to give a bonus Christmas myth that we don't talk about often because a lot of the times this is going to ruin your manger scene even more. Oh no. A lot of times people talk like they have said the manger scene and you know, it's a stable. uh, It's just Mary and Joseph and the baby, except for who else is there? Um, The three wise men, the three wise men or the three Kings from the Orient or whatever. But, uh, it, the Bible doesn't say that they were there right when Jesus was born. Right. It, it could have been up to two years later. Jesus might've been a toddler running around when they came and presented these gifts. Right. And so if you want your manger scene to be correct, you know, get a Barbie house. Oh boy. <laughs> put Anjanine in the guest room. Uh-huh. You know, put Jesus in the family room as a toddler, uh, riding a sheep. Okay. And some wise men giving them gifts, but Jesus is just like, you know, stumbling around, not paying attention. Right. That's more accurate. Right. And we, and we know this because um, when King Herod decided that he wanted to try and kill the Messiah, he uh, made the Roman soldiers go around and kill everybody that was, every male that was two years and younger there. Yes. And so why would he do that if it was like, this kid was just born the other day? Right. Because he asked them, he's like, tell me what you saw, you know, when did you see it? And they said, we we're following the star. And so it says he killed everyone two years and younger, according to the time they had given him. Right. Right. So in other words, they told him that they'd been working on this for a couple of years. And so he said, oh man, 
I better kill all the two-year-olds and younger. So, yeah. I mean, it's possible, theoretically possible, that Jesus was uh, a, an infant and they got there the day he arrived, but he could have been as old as two years old. Right. So uh, that's it. All right. You know what we're going to do? A Bible contradiction. Bible contradiction. All right, check it out. Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord called the I'm sorry, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel." However, Matthew 1:23 says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. So, uh, the Greek Septuagint which Matthew uses translated as a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Mm -hmm. But the Hebrew word Alma means young woman of marriageable age, <gasps> not a virgin. Oh, no. Well, essentially, that's true. So the Matthew 123 says virgin, but Isaiah 7, um, this guy's saying you should translate that young woman instead right. of virgin. Mm -hmm. And that's true. We're going to use the, we use a cracked acronym, C-R-A-C-K-E-D, to help us understand Bible contradictions or even understand how to read the Bible. Right. The D stands for? Dialect. Meaning? Meaning that um, there's Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. This. This is really going <laughs> to really help you. All right. Okay. Meaning what, oh, Dave? Yeah, because now I've got a brain, you right? feel it? Yeah. Uh, meaning that there's different ways of talking. Yes. And the way, even even the way I talk compared to the way you talk. Yes. We may actually have kind of different sub-dialects, even though we live in the same place. Sub-dialects, I right. like that. So, um, so there are different ways of speaking, and the way we speak now is not the same as they spoke then, mm -hmm. and there may be differences. Mm -hmm. And just because those differences are there doesn't mean that there's a contradiction. Exactly. I, I say, hey, bro, what's up? And I'm not literally saying, you are my brother, right. and I'm asking you, what is in the sky? Right? That's the way I took it. Hey, bro, what's up? I just mean, hey, you're a close friend. How are you doing? Right. I'm giving you a greeting. Uh, these are dialect things. So Isaiah wrote, uh, young woman. But young woman, that word, young woman, back then in the Hebrew language, in the Jewish culture, if I said, she's a, she's a young woman. Everyone right. knew exactly what I meant. Right. And exactly. Back in that culture, if you said young woman, she better have been a virgin. Yeah. Because to not be, man, that invites a lot of scrutiny, a lot of possibilities for uh, being, being stoned. That's right. You know? I mean, in our culture today, you might say, um, if, if the discussion is around sex and you're talking about a, a, a young lady, you might say, she's innocent. Right. And we mm -hmm. all know that means, yeah, she hasn't had sex. She right. doesn't know about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so back then they just said she's a young woman. Right. So that's the dialect. So Isaiah says, boom, a virgin, uh, excuse me, she, they translate it virgin when the phrase was young woman. But Matthew tells us in explicit terms, yeah, when Isaiah said young woman, he meant virgin. Right. That's why Absolutely. Matthew writes virgin. There you go. Uh, so E for early meaning also. Uh, we go way back to 200 BC and the Jews, this is what's interesting. The Jews, when they translated their Hebrew into Greek, they used the Greek word for virgin, not the Greek word for young lady. Uh huh. And this is 200 BC. This is 200 years before Christ was born. Right. So the Jewish people before Jesus was even born already believed that this meant virgin and not young woman. So that's the answer for a Bible contradiction today. Bible contradiction. 
All right. You set him up and we knock him down. Yeah. I love to answer Bible contradictions. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Sam, uh, about how much time do we have left? I can't see the clock from there. Are we doing all right on time? Because I'm getting a little fuzzy here. I just want to know how we're doing. So anyway, St. Nicholas. I want to talk about St. Nick for a minute while Sam checks that out. (coughs) St. Nicholas has been billed as a guy who loves you Mm -hmm. and wants you to do good, nice things. Right. And will try to bring you presents. Mm -hmm. Down the chimney. Did you know that Saint? Did you did you know that Saint Nicholas, the guy who Santa was based on, uh, is is actually was actually in jail? What? Yeah. No. Yeah. So check this out. He there's a guy named Arius and a guy said uh, named Saint Nicholas, and they have this council <clears throat> because Arius proposed the idea that Jesus was a created being. Oh. That Jesus was a created being. See, we believe. That Jesus has existed forever, mm-hmm. right? He's a part of the Trinity. Right. He's the son of God, but he's also God in nature. Because Philippians yeah. 2 says that he is in nature, by nature, God, right. right? He is God in flesh. Totally uncreated. Totally uncreated. Right. There was never a moment when Jesus did not exist. There was a moment <clears throat> where he wasn't in his flesh, right? right? He, he, was, he took on flesh. He came to earth on December 25th. Not. <laughs> he came to earth, <laughs> took on flesh at some point uh, between zero and six BC. And at that point he took on human flesh. But before that he had existed forever. He is the one who created the world. Amen. Now Arius actually said that he believed that Jesus was the first creation of God, the father. And this is the theology that he was teaching. <clears throat> now, if you read some of the Bible verses the wrong way, you can actually come to this conclusion. Uh, He is the son of God, Mm -hmm. the Bible says. The Bible says he is the firstborn over all creation. But when it says he was the son of God, it's only talking about his authority, right? He's the son of God, just like the son of a king has the authority of a king unless the king stops him, Mm -hmm. right? He's going to ascend to the throne. That was the point of calling him son. Calling him firstborn was to show that he has all the rights. In their culture, the firstborn child had all the rights. They would inherit the most. They were the ones who were in control of the property when the parents died. They made the decisions, right? Calling Jesus the firstborn wasn't saying he was created. It was just saying that he is the one who's in charge. Right. So anyway, Arius took this wrong. He went to this council and he proposed this idea. They had to meet to say, is Arius crazy or is Arius right? Right, right. Because none of them had ever thought about it like that before. And so uh, one of my old professors used to say that heresy is the midwife to Christian theology. Wow. Heresy is the midwife to Christian theology, meaning that a lot of times we have these beliefs, this theological belief, right? Jesus has always existed. Mm -hmm. But until Arius said, no, God created Jesus first. Everybody was like, what? Wait a minute. I, I didn't think that. That's not what I thought. What did I think? I guess I assumed Jesus always existed. Do you think that? And like, well, I guess I'd never thought about it. And, right. and so <clears throat> this heresy, this wrong idea would come up and then they'd have to go, wait a minute. And wrestle with it. Wrestle yeah. with it. And then they would explicitly define what they believe about that. And then you end up with theology. Right. Thus birthing <laughs> a solid idea. And this goes into our 
scope of theology. Exactly. And so everyone really believed Jesus had always existed, but they had never had to prove it or, or wrestle with that right. until Arius. So anyway, they're in this meeting, Arius and Santa are in there. I should call him St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas gets so mad that Arius is suggesting Jesus is the firstborn that he gets up, walks across the meeting over to Arius and just bam, just jacks him in the face. Wow. <laughs> they arrest him and put him in jail. It was a meeting of bishops and they put him in jail because he assaulted this other bishop. But that night, apparently, uh, the other bishops had a vision uh, to let him go. And so they let him out of jail and they all decided Arius was wrong. And uh, Wow. Isn't that's that crazy? Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> that's all I have to say about that. I want you to know a little bit about Santa. So we know that St. Nicholas was naughty at one point in his life. That's right. He was on the, he was on the naughty <laughs> list. Right. <laughs> so if you've been on the naughty list, don't worry. You've got good company. You've got good company. Yeah. All right. Now, I want to read a little bit um, of the Christmas story. Okay. I'm going to actually give you some options. Um, Dave, would you read these verses right there? Yes. All right. The Magi asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Okay. So when you hear this Christmas story, maybe you're a skeptic who's listening. Maybe you're a Christian. You've got a few options about who you want to be. And your first option is to be King Herod, which is to be openly hostile to who Jesus is, right? To be openly hostile to the Christian religion. Herod didn't want anything to do with Jesus. In fact, if he could get rid of Jesus, that was his goal. Right. Now, we also have the option of being like uh, Joseph. Let's read these other verses in the Christmas story. This says, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. So what happens here is they stay in Egypt for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Then someone, God sends a messenger, tells him to come back now. And Joseph does it again. Right. And think about this. Joseph had already stayed with Mary, even though Mary was pregnant before they got married. Absolutely. Joseph was doing this all in obedience to God. So we can be like Herod. We can be hostile to God. We can be hostile to religion. We can be angry about what God is doing in our life. Um, Joseph, but just, or we can be like Joseph, right? Joseph stuck with Mary, even though she would have been ridiculed in her culture because right. she got mm-hmm. pregnant. Joseph moved to a foreign country to protect Jesus. Not many of us can say that we've done that. Right. Now we have missionaries in our church who've moved to foreign countries to share the news about Jesus. And people have been obedient to go to foreign places, places that aren't their home. And it's a big deal to leave your home. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Joseph did this multiple times. In fact, he risked his life. Herod was trying to kill Jesus. And Jesus wasn't technically Joseph's son. Right. But what did Joseph do? He did exactly what God told him to do. Herod was known for killing his own wife. He killed his brother-in-law. Herod killed his own sons. What do you think he would have done with Joseph if he found Joseph running away with Jesus? Right. Joseph could have very well said, well, 
I guess the jig is up. Um, I'll go to King Herod and turn these people in. I'll be free to do whatever I want. And, yeah. But he didn't. No. And what Joseph did, actually, when he obeyed God, it allowed more prophecies to be fulfilled. Amen. I want you to hear these prophecies. These were made hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Prophets had predicted the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Come out of Egypt. Wait, be born in Bethlehem. So Joseph was the one right. who took the family to Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. All right. To come out of Egypt. Yes. Joseph was the one who took them to Egypt. Absolutely. And left Egypt. All right. Prophets predicted that Jesus would go to Nazareth, live in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And Joseph is one who raised them in Nazareth. Right. These all look like contradictory statements at first. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, but he's going to come out of Egypt and live in Nazareth. What? Right. That's confusing. Right. But when you follow Joseph's life, he had to go to Bethlehem. He was born. He moved to Egypt and then he left Egypt to come to Nazareth, Amen. right? Fulfilled prophecy. So that was an option. You could be like Herod, hostile to Jesus, or you'd be like Joseph, obedient to God. Amen. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're neither one of those. You could be apathetic. I want you to hear some of these other verses, verses four to six here. All right. When King Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of the, my people Israel. Mm. Maybe we aren't hostile like Herod. Maybe we aren't serving like Joseph. But there's another category of people. And these are the Jews who told Herod the prophecy, but they didn't go to Jesus either. Right. They knew the truth, but they didn't do anything about it. And I think what a lot of people are like today, maybe you, listener, are like this today. You believe God is real. You believe Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. You believe he was born, but your life isn't changing because of it. Right. Just like these people knew the prophecies, they knew the scriptures, they knew Jesus was being born, but they didn't do anything about it. Maybe you're doing the minimum possible things. You go to church every once in a while. You pray when you're in, you're in a troubled spot or when you feel the need. But you haven't made that full commitment to follow Jesus. Listen, this Christmas season, why don't you go ahead and make a commitment to follow Jesus all the way, not just a little bit. Believe that you live, die, and rose from the dead. Ask God to forgive you for your sins and give your life to him. Amen. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and become a true follower of Jesus Christ, not some apathetic foreigner. All right, have a great month.